the race that is set before us. There are a couple of things said here as a means to running. It says, lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. Not just sins. Don't just lay aside sins to run this race. Lay aside every other weight that gets in your way. What this says is, don't just ask, what's wrong with it? Don't just ask, is it a sin? That's about the lowest question you can ask in life. So what, well, preacher, what question should I ask if it's not, is it a sin? And the answer is, does it help me run? That's the answer. Does it get in my way when I'm trying to become more patient, more kind, more gentle, more loving, more holy, more pure, more self-controlled? Does it get in my way or does it help me run? Look to Jesus and lay aside sins for sure and lots of other stuff. And a little voice is going to say, this looks like a lot of loss and not much gain. At that point, open your Bible to Hebrews 12, 2 and look at how Jesus in Gethsemane said, tomorrow morning is going to be a lot of loss. This is going to be mega loss at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. In fact, it's going to happen all night long. I will never sleep again before I die. And it's going to hurt like hell, literally. How did he do that? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So the answer is, yes, it's going to be loss. But I promise you, on the authority of God's word, the Christian life is gain. Say to the flesh and say to Satan, the sufferings of this life are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to me. And so I will lay aside every weight and I will lay aside every sin and I will run with Jesus. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, Hosea. What? Go find her. Love this woman who's loved by a lover and is right now committing adultery. Go find her, Hosea. Go find her. Look what's after the comma. Just like the love of the Lord for Israel. I love her. Now, where it says Israel, it means Israel, but it also prophetically speaks of God's love for the whole world. Go find her again. This, this is like my love for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. In other words, they like the things that society stuff possessions that the world offers. They're trying to find love and meaning and purpose in that. Go, go, go find her. Boy, that must have been a heart-wrenching process.
as you go looking for your wife who was a former prostitute who's now back into prostitution. Where do you go looking for her, friends? How messy is that search? How painful is that pursuit? As he walks the streets, streets, everyone says you don't go to those neighborhoods. Men of God should never be seen in those places and buildings. But here's Hosea looking for who? His wife of all people. Going on in verse 2, he continues to write, So I bought her. I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. Wait, 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 wait. She's your wife, Hosea. She's already yours. What was the scene like as Gomer's back in the sex slave industry? What are the chances? Does Gomer find her on some pedestal somewhere, chained and shackled, naked, being sold to the highest bidder? Hosea there sees his wife, the mother of their three children, and Hosea looks at her and says, excuse me, sir, that's my wife. He goes, sir, I don't care who you think she is. This is her price. But I, okay, what's the price? And he pays for what is already his. The Bible says, I hope you understand, Hosea is a picture of God, and no offense, you and I are a picture of Gomer. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Mankind is the unique possession of the Creator God. And yet, 2,000 years ago, he paid a dear price. He paid for what he already possessed. And he sent his son who spilled his blood to purchase back what he already owned. How much? Hosea gets the money. What was that exchange like when Hosea looked in the eyes of his wife? No doubt she hung her head in embarrassment. He's found me. I've abandoned him to abandon our three kids. And yet he insists on buying me. Buying me. These other men sought to buy her, to use her. Hosea seeks to buy her, to heal her. It says in verse 4, for the Hallelujah. children of Israel to abide. Now, now this is where Hosea. Hallelujah. And he starts. Glory. 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 <clears throat> Father, we come to you tonight in the name of Jesus, Lord God, knowing and recognizing that you are the one, the true, the only, the living God. You are real and true. And Lord, we have come tonight to meet with you. We have come, Lord God, with expectation of an encounter, Lord. We haven't come because it's some nice little convenient thing we can do tonight, Lord, but because we must. Oh, Lord, if we don't have you, we have nothing. 
Oh God, we have come to accept your invitation. We have come to follow you around. We have come to give you glory and honor. We have come to recognize you as King of kings, Lord of lords, and Lord over our lives. We have come, Lord God, to give you an inkling of the glory and the honor and the worship that you deserve. And we only pray, Lord God, that our worship would be found acceptable in your sight. So we worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers, sisters, friends, welcome to this May 18th edition, 2019, of Church Without Walls. Let's worship our God in holiness. Let's worship him with hunger and passion and desire. Let's worship him in the acknowledgement that he is worthy. Let's go to worship. This first song, Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb. Lift my burdens on the shore. Lyrics up in the chat room. I down a sinner, came up a saint, died with Christ. Now I'm
our worship saints. Give him glory. Yes, yes. guilt was erased all of my guilt was erased the chains of the past are the broken at last past are broken at last I, I got, got saved. saved oh I got saved I'm undone by the mercies of Jesus I could have won more. I've received nothing but goodness. Yes. I've tested and tasted your grace. And I was so lost till I fell at the cross and God said, Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy. 
solid ground. Around, place my feet on the solid ground. Up, turn me around. My feet on the solid ground. Jesus, how could I want more? God's mercy, Jesus. Yes. Oh, I've got Jesus. How could I ever want more?
worship, worship. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Give him glory. Give him glory, Lord.
us, Lord. Your face is all I see. You're so beautiful. For
yes, yes. Glory to you, my God. We're going to be going to the Word of God in just a moment. We're going to be doing quite a bit of jumping around, but we're going to be mainly in Matthew chapter 22. If you want to get your Bibles ready, let's go to worship one more time. And then let's hear from the throne room of grace.
I lay down all lesser things for greater things. He is alive inside of me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, brothers, sisters, friends, we prepare to go to the word of the living God. As I said, we're going to be anchored in Matthew 22, although for those who love the word of God, you're going to love this message because we're going to hit quite a bit of scripture tonight. But um, for anyone who hasn't been with us in a while or if you just missed last week, especially, um, we are in the midst of a series within a series. I've been teaching on the parables of Jesus Christ, and we're anchored now in the parable of the wedding feast, which in and of itself looks like it will become a three-part series. I began that series last week looking specifically, focusing intensely upon the invitation. What manner of invitation it is and who extends the invitation and our role as both invited guests and servants sent out to invite others. And we looked at all aspects of that. But this week, I want to consider the rejectors of that invitation. Follow me to Matthew 22 and let's see what I'm talking about here. There the word of the living God, may his name forever be praised, declares. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. They which were bidden were not worthy. I want to speak tonight on the topic of measuring up. Or rather, we might better call this message the measure of a Christian. The measure of a Christian. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, Holy Spirit, 
Father God in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. We come before you this evening, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, I wouldn't waste the time of turning on my computer to speak if I had nothing from you to say. I wouldn't waste these people's time with my words and my intellect and my thoughts. But Lord, we have gathered tonight and the question on everybody's heart is, Lord, what are you saying to us in this generation? And Lord, I thank you that from the beginning on to everlasting, you have been, you are, and you shall ever be the living God, a speaking God, one who speaks and worlds are created, one who speaks and realities are made, one who speaks and the mountains quake and tremble. Oh God, would you speak with veracity tonight? Would you send forth your word, oh God, like a hammer? that shatters every stone of stumbling and every rock of offense, O oh God, like fire that burns up the wood, hay and stubble that so easily distract us and take us off course. O oh God, tonight would you anchor us in yourself that we may know you, the only true God, that we may know Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that we may be saved and not turn back. Show us tonight, O oh God, the true measure of a Christian person. We ask this in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Now you might be wondering, Pastor Pete, I'm I, I, not sure I get the title of your message, The Measure of a Christian. There's nothing about measurement here, but there is. You see, in verse 8, the king states clearly, they which were bidden were not worthy. Not worthy there is auxios. Literally, they did not measure up. They did not have the weight or value that they should have had. They may have appeared. They may have been on the list. They may have been called. But they showed themselves not to be chosen. They showed themselves to be unworthy of the calling and election which God had given them. They showed themselves the king had bidden them to come to his feast. He invited them to be guests of honor, to celebrate with him the wedding of his son. And the fact that they treated the invitation lightly showed that they did not measure up. They became like Belshazzar in Daniel chapter 5 who thought he could play games with the holy things of God. And the handwriting appeared upon the wall. Just as today in so many ways the spiritual handwriting is on the wall. Judgment is coming. Time is getting short. The days are getting dark. And the problem is not that people cannot see the handwriting on the wall, but they couldn't read it. 
They don't understand the signs of the time. And so Daniel was brought in to Belshazzar. And when he met, when he read the words, many, many tekel fasten, you have been weighed and found wanting. Therefore, this day you are cut off. You see, my brother, my sister, there is a consequence to not measuring up to what you are supposed to be in Christ. Yes, we live in an age of grace and mercy. Yes, we live under the dispensation of grace. Yes, but grace is not a license to failure. It's something so much more profound. And in verse 7 here, we see the consequence of failing to measure up. The king sent out his armies and had these wicked, evil, should have been attenders, but who were really pretenders to the throne of grace. He had them destroyed, they and their cities. You see, there's a consequence to rejecting the Lord's invitation. Too many people play games and they think, well, it doesn't matter as long as I'm a good person. Oh, as long as I kind of pray that sinner's prayer, it doesn't matter if I never come back. It doesn't matter if I never follow him around. It doesn't matter if I don't read my Bible or pray or allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change me. None of that matters because God is good and nice anyway, and he's such a good God. Nothing will ever happen, and he is good, and he is gracious, and he is merciful, but there is a day when mercy and grace run out. There is a day where the door closes. The parable of the ten virgins tells us that. This parable tells us that. So many of Jesus' teachings warn us, oh, brothers, sisters, don't play games with God today if you hear his voice. That's why the urgency and the imminency of the invitation must be made clear to those who would be invited to the altar of Christ, lest they think that they can wait forever, lest they think as so many foolishly believe, well, I'll just live my life my way and do my thing, and one day on my deathbed, I'll pray a quick prayer and turn it all around. I'm here to tell you, we will most often die the way that we lived because we are creatures of habit. Are there deathbed conversions? Sure. Was there that one thief on the cross who never got baptized, who ridiculed Christ until almost the end, and then just at the end repented? Yes. Yes. And he gives us hope. But lest our hope be empty, note that he is the only such example in the Bible, which tells us, Don't put all your eggs in that basket. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Make your calling and election sure. Be sure that you measure up to the full measure of a Christian. And so we strive for this measure. But what is the measure? My brother and sister, the measure 
is perfection. What do I mean? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 15, there the word of the Lord says, And he gave, speaking of the fivefold ministry gifts, some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teaching, and teachers. To what end? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. <clears throat> for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Brothers and sisters, see, there are other verses, and I'm going to touch a few more. But here in Ephesians, Paul gives us a stark and clear revelation. God has not given us his word and his Holy Spirit and he has not given us teachers and preachers of the gospel. He has not given us men gifted to rightly divide the word of God and train up the saints so that we can all come together and formulate some doctrines and put them on the wall and say, as long as you say amen to these three or four precepts, you're saved. That wasn't the point. He gave us the gifts and he gave us his spirit. And he gave us this great salvation. And he gave us the hope of the promise. And he gave us his word. And he gave us ministers to minister that word in truth. For the perfecting of the saints. So that we all, not some of us, not the few, not the pastor, not the teacher, not the elder, not the presbyter, not the bishop, not the servant, not the evangelist, not the missionary only, but that we all might come on to a perfect man, onto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Christ is our measure. The goal is perfection. The perfection of his love, his mercy, his grace, his faith, his strength, etc. Just flowing through us to all the body of Christ. And from the body of Christ out to the world that is lost and condemned. That's the plan of God. You see, one of the most confusing verses ever recorded in Scripture is Paul saying that I fill up what was lacking in the sacrifice of Christ. Now we know when Christ died on the cross, it was finished. There was nothing left. There was nothing lacking. What did he mean? Paul was not saying that Christ failed in any way. Christ was not saying that Christ left something out. Paul was acknowledging what Christ had taught his disciples. That if we're to follow him, we must take up our crosses daily. 
die to ourselves daily and follow him. We must do as he did. We must eventually live as he lived. Why? Because there's a lost dying world out there that wasn't there 2,000 years at Calvary. They weren't there when he taught the Sermon on the Mount. They weren't there when he walked upon the water and calmed the storm. They weren't there when he raised up Jairus' daughter. They didn't see it when he called Lazarus out of the grave. They didn't hear when he taught the myriad of parables. They didn't hear when he confronted Pharisees and Sadducees and put them to shame. They didn't see him when he sat down, we knelt down and rode in the dirt and saved the life of a woman condemned to death because she was caught in the very act of adultery. They didn't see his love. They didn't see his mercy. They didn't see his power. They never heard his teaching. They didn't see him teaching and preaching and healing the sick. They never saw him cast out a demon. They never saw Christ work the works of God. They didn't see it. Worst of all, they didn't see him falsely accused. They didn't see him stand in their place, accused by the leadership of the church. They didn't see him stripped and beaten. They didn't see him, his flesh torn asunder. They didn't see him nailed to that old rugged cross. They didn't see him hang there for hours, blood dripping through myriad lacerations all through his skin and all they didn't see as organs were exposed to the air and he had to push up with his legs and rips and tears were made in his back as he pushed up with his legs in order to take a breath they didn't hear when he said father forgive them for they know not what they're doing they didn't hear him exclaim to tell the stay it is finished Most importantly of all, they didn't see three days later when the lightning flashed and the ground shook at the graveside of the Christ. They didn't see when the stone was rolled away and the man, the God-man, Christ Jesus, the piercing still in his hands and feet, the opening that pierced his heart and lungs, still visible. Yet he walked out strong, healed, healthy, revived. They didn't see him conquer hell, death, in the grave. And because they didn't see this, now I know what you're thinking, but the Bible is the number one bestseller in the history of humanity. Why don't they pick up a Bible in you? When you were lost, how many Bibles did you read? They're not going to read it. And even if they do read it, they're going to read it with skepticism. They're going to read it with fear and doubt. They're going to read excerpts of it as literature. They're going to look for a couple of promises. They're going to see a good teacher. They need for us to live the life of Christ. His love, His mercy, His grace, His compassion, His power, His authority, His redemption, His sanctification. They need to see, as that old song used to say, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Because when they see that, they may never pick up their Bible. 
They may claim that they can't believe the Bible because it was written by men, etc., etc. But when they look at your testimony, when they see the living epistle of God written upon your life and your heart, then they will know that he is real. Then they will be devoid of their excuses. Then they will have no choice but to make a decision, either to reject God and take lightly his invitation or to accept him. The measure to which we fill up as Christians is perfect. And lest ye doubt it, look at Matthew 5, verse 48. There Jesus Christ our Lord speaking said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. We therefore who are in Christ and would hear on the day of our arrival in judgment, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. We who are ambassadors of Christ, having inherited the ministry of reconciliation, according to 2 Corinthians 5.18, must have as the mission statement of our lives that I may be like him, that I might come to the fullness of the stature and the measure of Christ. This is our mission statement. This is the guiding principle of our lives. This is the goal for which we strive daily. This is the mark to which we press day by day by day by day. Many upon hearing this will gasp and shrink back exclaiming, but we can never be perfect. We're not God. What then? Are we all doomed to failure? Who can be saved? These questions were hurled at Christ. These objections were made even in his day. Let me tell you, friend, no. No, friend. We are not perfect. But neither are we doomed to perpetual failure. Have you not read that what is impossible for men is possible with God? Have you not heard that the glory of the new covenant is it's not me striving in my own works, but God writing his law upon my heart and making it so that the law is no longer burdensome? Have you not read that he will give me a new heart and a new spirit and put his own spirit in me? Have you not read, oh friend, that he will give us a threefold indwelling when Jesus said that both I and my father will come and make our abode in you but he said I'd send the Holy Spirit as well you have the power of a threefold indwelling of God in you you will be perfected you will be transformed no I may never be perfect completely on this side of eternity But that's not an excuse for sin, and that's not an excuse for laziness. Perfection remains my goal. How then do I, or you, or any of us attain to the measure of being worthy to enter into the great banquet hall to be seated at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Progress. Progression. Progressing is the measure of attainment. Progressing is measuring up. What do I mean? 
You see, my brother and my sister, there is a place and a way in which we become perfect. But I'm leaving that for the next message. Today, I want to talk to the righteous who fall, yea, seven times, and the getting up is getting a little harder. I want to speak to those who strive, not in their own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit for perfection and are finding the weight of their failures daunting. To you, saints of God, church of the living Christ, I say along with that great apostle, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and so on, and etc. No, I don't want to preach about the armor of God tonight. I want to preach about that standing, fully armored. Loins girt about with truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, sword of the spirit in one hand, prayer in the other, all the the shield of faith taken up upon my sleeve. I want to talk about that, but not in the context of breaking down the armor, but of putting it on and then standing. I want to entreat you. I want to encourage you to keep fighting, keep striving, keep struggling. Your goal tonight, my goal tonight and forever is to be like Eleazar the Ahohite who arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave onto his sword and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. Oh, I love the story of Eleazar. He's one of David's mighty men. And a picture is painted for us. Back in 2 Samuel 23, where this righteous warrior of God stands his ground and the armies of the enemy are too great. Just like sometimes our addictions are too great. Sometimes our weaknesses are too great. Sometimes our laziness is too great. Sometimes our failings are too great. Sometimes our habit and our culture appear too great. Sometimes the temptation appears too great and we fall and we stumble. But Eleazar stood his ground. And when everybody else ran, and he was left alone, Eliezer took hold of his sword and began swinging. I don't think Eliezer was convinced he, was win- he would win. I believe Eliezer was just convinced if they take this crown, they'll take it watered in my blood. But God has called me to stand this ground. My Lord, in that time, it was King David, but he was standing as an image of the Christ, the true Yahweh, Seth Boath, the captain of the Lord's host. And my captain has told me to hold this ground and I will not be moved. And he swung and he swung and he swung and he swung. 
swung. And the Bible says literally when he was done, his sword clave to his hand. It had become ingrained into his flesh. It had become a part of him. But the field was watered with the blood of his enemies. And Eleazar walked off heroic and victorious. Brother and sister, stand. Oh, though far outnumbered, stand. For their thousand blows deliver one death blow, but stand. You got tripped up, stand. You stumbled over temptation, stand up. You went a little to the left, stand up. You went a little to the right, stand up. You forgot to read your Bible this morning, stand up. Pick it up and read now. You didn't pray as much as you should. You haven't been praying as you stand up and begin to pray. Stand upon the promises of God. Stand upon the truth of his word. Stand in his redemption. Stand under the flow of his blood. Stand in his grace. Stand against the enemy. Stand knowing that even if you fell a thousand times, today is your day of victory. And you'll never see that victory if you retreat and run. If you cut and run, the enemy won't want just the field he took. He'll want the next one. The biggest problem with the church in my nation right now in the United States, founded initially as a bipolar nation. A nation trying to do what Jesus said was impossible. Halfway the nation founded on serving gold and money and wealth. Halfway the nation founded on being a city on a hill. An example for all to follow of the glory of the living God. And we shifted back and forth. Are we Christian? Are we not Christian? Are we Christian? Are we not Christian? And during the 60s, in the midst of so much protest and revolution and so much social change, Christians began to give up ground. And the enemy came for our public schools and we gave up ground. And they came after prayer in public and we gave up ground. And we've given up so much ground that the enemy's momentum is so strong now that we're not sure how to take it back from a generation that doesn't even know simple biology anymore. And when you look at the culture and you look at the change and you look at what seems like a massive 400-foot tsunami wave of transformation and change with which the Word of God does not agree and you say, what do I do in the midst of this giant? You stand your ground. You stand and you fight. Not with violence. Not with hatred, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You manifest the fruit of the Spirit. You walk in the gifts of God. You show forth the power of a transformed life. And you give them the undeniable proof of the reality of the living God that they so seek for. You see, the Christian does not have to attain to perfection. For the measure of our perfection is Christ. And who but Christ Jesus alone could ever be so honest, so powerful, so meek, so gentle, so wonderful, so gracious, so sinless, so perfect. 
But you see, my brother and my sister, for us, when we stand our ground and we put one foot in front of the other and we take one step closer to righteousness, when we, like Paul, forget those things that are behind us and press toward the mark, Oh, it may be a slow march. It may be one step a day. But every day, I put one foot in front of the other and I move closer to perfection. I'm further along today than I was yesterday, but I'm not quite so far as I'm going to be tomorrow. Progress is the measure of perfection for the saints. What do I mean? Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. After defining the goal of perfection, the apostle writes, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, which is the head even Christ. May grow up. Listen, any of you who are parents know. Listen, any of you who are alive know. You weren't as big when you were born as you are right now. I look at my boys, especially my twins who were born premature. One two ounces shy of four pounds and one two ounces over four pounds. Tiny little things. They're not tiny anymore. They don't look premature anymore. And they've only been out of the womb about two years. But you see, they're making progress. At the same token, if you look at them compared to me, I'm their daddy. I don't look like me yet. They don't have any hair on their face yet or their arms or legs. They're not six foot two. None of them weighs over 40 pounds, 30 pounds, 20 pounds. Do you see what I'm saying? But they're not done yet. They're not done. They're still growing. And just as growth physically is a progression, there are spurts where you make rapid progressions and then there are times where you seem to stall for a while and nothing's happening. Brain development is the same way. Trying to teach a kid to speak and you find he can only learn four or five words and four or five words and all of a sudden there's an explosion. 20, 30 words and then there's delay and then an explosion. You see, growth is about progress. And the issue is not, are they perfect? Are they fully grown men? No, they're not supposed to be yet. But are they moving toward that? Are they progressing? Are they getting taller? Are they getting stronger? Are they getting better coordinated? Are they developing more? Brother, sister, friend, it's the same for you and me. We need to grow into the perfection of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 and 18 says, Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding, as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord is working in me every day convicting me, every day transforming me, every day reminding me, every day strengthening me, every day challenging me, every day pulling me closer and closer. So I go from image to image and glory to glory until one day I'm found in the perfection of Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. If it's living, then it's growing. It's changing. It's transforming. It's not done in an instant. It's not over yet. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed. Your mind is not going to be transformed in one instant. You're not going to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in 20 minutes. You're not going to absorb it all in five seconds. You're not going to understand it all after your first reading from cover to cover. But you're going to read it over and over and over and over. You're going to dive deeper. The Spirit's going to take you deeper in. Come on. Anybody out there ever read a verse of Scripture and you read it 15 times and you opened it up this morning and bam, all of a sudden deeper revelation. All of a sudden new conviction. All of a sudden new empowerment all of a sudden you're standing taller you're walking stronger your 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 sword is cleaving to your hand and you're ready to fight the good fight of faith luke 9 23 and he being jesus the christ said to them all he didn't say it to the apostles he didn't say it just to a couple of people he didn't say it just to peter james and john he said to them all if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you see, my brother and my sister, it's about endurance. Jesus in Matthew 10, said, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So in accordance with Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. What is the point? Go back to the parable, brothers and sisters. These people who were invited had an encounter with the king at one point. We explained this last week. It wasn't like he suddenly planned this wedding. They had been told the wedding was coming. They were in so, on some degree in relationship with the king. But they didn't stand their ground. They weren't making progress. They didn't take seriously that the wedding feast was coming. They didn't make preparation to be there. They didn't see how important it was. And because they weren't making progress, when their day and hour and moment came, they were unworthy to go in. And being found unworthy, they were destroyed. But note, not them alone. And the cities where they lived were as well. See, brothers and sisters, making your calling and election sure, standing your ground, making progress day by day by day by day by day, being transformed into the image of Christ. It's not just about you. It's not just about making sure you go to heaven. It's about must I go and empty-handed. It's about who I'll take with me. It's about the crowns I'll cast at his feet, which are actually the testimonies of those who I've brought to Christ. Brother, sister, don't get left behind. Brother, sister, don't miss the feast. Brother, sister, don't show up at the feast empty-handed and alone. 
Let's all make it to that great feast. And let's all make it with an abundance of new, transformed invitees to bring through the doors and say, Master, these two are yours. These two are yours. Tonight, I want to encourage you to make your calling and election sure. To determine today to stay the course, to fight the good fight of faith, to stand firm on the rock Christ Jesus. If you've been struggling, if you've been wavering, if you've been doubting, if you've been fearful, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. If you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ's lordship over your life, I want you to stand up if you're ready to make that commitment today. And I want you to begin to cry out to him. I want you to begin to cry out to a savior for salvation. For all the rest, ask God for mercy and forgiveness for where you've stumbled and strength to stand moving forward. Come on, you pray in your words. You pray in your words. And while you pray, let me pray for you. Father God, you see these who have stood. Father, under the conviction and the power of your word, Lord God, they have trembled and been moved and they need you. So I ask you, Lord, tonight to hear their cries, to move them closer to you. Oh God, let each and every one of us come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and be moved, oh God, to stand in faith and not be moved and not be shaken. Father, we thank you for grace to stand. In Christ Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Saints of God, um, we're going to go to worship for a moment. Um, we're also going to open up our direct call-in line. If you have questions about anything you heard tonight, or if you are in serious need of prayer, urgent prayer. Now, if you have a simple request, you just want us to keep in prayer, you have something going on, and you're like, Pastor Pete, if you could just pray for us. You can text that request, all right, to 845-553-0883, okay? But if you have something more urgent and you need prayer right now, or you have a question just burning, something you didn't understand tonight, you need it answered right now, then you can call our live call-in line. Area code 646-721-9917. You're going to press option one. Also, as we worship tonight, if this message, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, and you would like in turn to be a blessing to us, it's that simple. I'm not going to twist anyone's arm. It takes money to do what we do. You want to help us do it. You want to help us reach folks with the gospel. Three ways you can do it. If you don't, 
that's between you and God. All right? But the Bible does say, if we've sown spiritual fruit among you, we have a right to reap material wealth. And so if you'd like to give a donation of any amount, the amount doesn't matter. You can either do it through our website, kqcministries.org. Click on the Donate Now tab, and it'll walk you through the process. You can also, using PayPal, Pop Money, Quick Pay, or Christel, use our email address, kqcministries at gmail.com. Or you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can write us. KQC Ministries, Care Of, Pastor Pete Torres, 97 Jefferson Street, Highland Mills, New York, 10930. Those call-in lines are open. If you have to call, go ahead. If not, let's just worship for a little while. Father, I thank you for these who are giving right now. Bless their gift and bless us with wisdom to use effectively these finances for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.
love that song. <laughs> it's a great line. Uh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Um, brothers, sisters, friends, a couple quick things. Number one, um, can I see a couple comments and a couple people trying to figure out? All right. Um, I'm going to pray down the line. I see that prayer request. I'm, I'm going to deal with that in one second. Um, first of all, let me explain. What I mean is this. If, listen, we are having a service over the internet. That's weird. <laughs> so, you know, all right, let's say we were in a physical building and we were all together and we had prayer request cards. You know that sometimes you have a request and it's enough. You can fill out a card, drop it in. You know that the pastor and the prayer team will be praying and you're good. There are other times where you're like, look, I, I got to get the pastor right now. Ooh, I, I need this prayer now. I, I need I need a touch now. I, I can't fill out a card for this one. Okay. So if your request is A, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to drop a prayer request in and, hey, you know, have a little fellowship and I'll be on my way. Then you would text us or, as some people are doing even now, put your request up in the chat room. Um, the only problem putting requests up in the chat room is I don't always see them all, but I see a couple up there. So I'm going to get to those. If it's an urgent burning, no, I, I need a touch right now. If we were in church, you'd stand and wait online if you had to, but you got to talk to pastor now then you call. All right? That clarifies. Um, the other thing, just by way of announcement, and then we're going to go to prayer for a moment because we do have a couple of prayer requests coming in like right now um, in the chat room, and we're going to deal with those. Um, next week, and I do not know yet right now, all right? Um, I, I do not know yet right now, but next week, um, we may or may not be canceling service, all right? Um, I will know very soon. So just keep an eye on our, you know, our website, our Facebook page. I'll get it up there and let you know if I am canceling. Um, it, it's, a, it's a decision needs to be made in prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. If it's up to me and me only, I'm canceling. Um, I need a little bit of a break. I, I need some downtime. I need to catch up with a couple of things um, between my secular job, family, different things pulling me in different directions. Um, I also need time to pray, and I covet your prayers. God has been speaking to me about an element of our vision that I've been slacking on lately. And that's the issue of training people up to run Bible studies in their home. Um, because I do believe we're at some point going back to a house church movement. The church is going to go out the way she came in. I'll say more about that another time. So um, I, I need time to pray and figure that out. So again, just keep your eyes peeled. You know, if you follow us on social media, go ahead. Um, I'm really only on two platforms, Facebook and Twitter. By the way, if you follow me on Twitter, please do not try to communicate with me on Twitter. I have a way of posting to Twitter without ever going on. So I almost never see anything posted to me. And I've gotten a couple of people who have been offended. Oh, I've been sending you messages. If you're trying to talk to me through Twitter, that's not the platform. You could message us through Facebook, through our Facebook webpage. You can text or call that number I gave. 
Um, some of you have our Skype contact, KQC Ministries. You can try to Skype me. Messaging is better than calling. Remember, we're in different time zones, please. All right? Um, but that's that. So with all of that, let's go to prayer for a minute, though, because like I said, we, we have some issues here. Um, and the first comes to us from our dear sister, Dandelion. Um, please pray for an Esther. She is a woman, but she wants to do a gender change and call herself Kay. I have been praying for her. But, well, listen, this is a hot button issue in our society. And there's a spirit behind it, but that spirit is supported by so much of a false and confused culture. All right? So don't lose heart, but let's pray. The spirit needs to be broken. It's a spirit of confusion. It's identity confusion. It's not knowing who one is in Christ. So let's pray. Father, we pray for this young woman, Lord God. Specifically for this young woman, we join, we knit our faith to dandelions because your word says, where two of us agree is touching anything we ask, it shall be done for us. And so specifically we pray for this young woman. But in general, Lord, my heart breaks for all the transgender and gender-confused people in our society today. Oh, God, I pray that you would give them clarity. I pray, Lord God, that you would teach them to love and accept themselves as you have created them. I pray, Lord God, that they would come to a place of peace and understanding and acceptance of themselves, that they would see that you love them and you have accepted them. And therefore, if they are accepted in the beloved, they are accepted in all. Bless this young woman. And stop her from making a decision which will haunt her for the rest of her life. Thank you, Father, for your power working in Jesus' name. Just checking out this next prayer request. Um, give me one second. Okay. All right. Yeah, brother, I could imagine you're, you're getting weary, but let's pray. Father, we want to, and I ask everyone, please, I'm always adamant about that. Thank you for holding on with us. I see that people haven't left the chat room. They're standing strong. Thank you. Join us in faith, okay? Um, we want to pray for Brother Joshua. And we want to pray for his mom. Um, and we're going to pray for his mom first and then for him. Because this is serious. Father, thank you. Thank you that Joshua's mom is still with us. Thank you that she's still alive. Thank you that the enemy couldn't take her out. Thank you that death couldn't bring her under. But Lord, the care that she needs and the issues she's facing. It's becoming daunting and it's all piling up. Father, please, she needs help. She needs relief. She needs healing. You yourself described healing as the children's bread. Your word says that 
we are healed by your stripes. And we see, Lord God, that as you went about teaching, preaching, and healing the sick, everywhere you confronted them, Father, we believe that you do not change. You were a healer back in the day of Elijah. You were a healer back in the day of Elisha. You were a healer when you walked the earth. And you are a healer still. So Father, heal Joshua's mom of every physical ailment. Give her joy and give her peace. But Lord, we also turn our prayers to our brother. Oh God, your word says, and we talked about tonight, do not grow weary in well-doing. Oh brother, you will reap a harvest if you don't faint. Hold on. And I know that's easier to say than to do. So I pray, Lord, that you will send him men, true men of God, who will lift up the hands that hang down, that will buttress his heart and his faith and his strength. Oh God, who will give him new hope and new joy and new life and will remind him of the joy of being in you and the joy of serving. Renew him. Refresh him. Strengthen him. Oh God, wash away the fatigue, the pain, the tiredness. Teach him to be a man of God in the greatest, deepest sense he's ever known. And let him come out of this trial and test with an incredible, undeniable testimony. Thank you, Father, for Brother Josh, for all that you do in his life and all that you will do in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Brother, I know that you are. Keep holding on. Keep holding on. You're not in this fight alone. Saints of God, I want to encourage you, some of you listening, you really are prayer warriors. This is what God has called you to do. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray daily. I want to encourage you, if you're a prayer warrior, could you just, if you're a prayer warrior, you write down prayer requests. So could you grab a pen and pad and just remember Dandelion's Esther, Joshua's mom, and Joshua himself? And can you make a commitment tonight? Now, please don't don't say you're going to do it unless you really are. In fact, you don't have to tell us you're going to do it, but would you do this? Actually, it would be nice to know if there are a couple of you, if you have access to the chat room, you're going to do this. Would you let us know? Would you commit to pray for all three of these people every day? You have to pray for hours, but every day to remember them in your prayers for the next two to three weeks. Would you commit to that? Dandelion's Esther, Joshua's mom, and Joshua. For Dandelion's Esther, an end to identity confusion, salvation, deliverance, and fortification in who she truly is. For Joshua's mom, complete and total healing and recovery. For Josh, renewal of strength, joy, hope, and faith. 
Brother, I'm not saying you lack any of these, but you need a renewal. We all do, and we go through a trial for too long. They begin to wear on us. And would you pray also that God would send him men who would help him in this situation? Last but definitely not least, would you add one more name to that? Would you add Sister Daphne to that? Those of you who are regulars here, you know some of the struggles she's going through. You know, stuff going on with her house, stuff going on with her health. At the end of the day, specifically if you're going to pray for Sister Daphne, I want you to pray. I had the protection round about her in accordance with God's word that God would set a wall of fire round about her. Keeping the enemy entirely outside. And that she would experience a time of growing in deeper intimacy with the Lord. And when she comes out of that time of refreshing, the Lord would supply every one of her physical needs. So these are our prayers for our brethren. This is our prayer for our brethren. Let's pray for them. Let's bless them. Let's keep this going. Let's not end it tonight. And then, like I said, if you would please also just keep me in prayer. Um, I need provision, direction. Okay. Actually, that would be the two most important things. Provision and direction. Amen. Ah, brothers, sisters, friends. Let's thank Jesus right now. Holy God, we love you and we thank you for meeting us here tonight. Even though here is in so many different places. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Father, thank you for meeting us here tonight. We love you passionately. But we need to love you more. So Lord, please lead us in your ways. In Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen. Um, brother Josh, I just saw that comment. You know what? Let Let's do this, my brother. Um, quick question, if you and I know you're hearing me right now. Um, are you in the continental U.S.? Just pausing, waiting for a response. They say when you do radio, internet, radio, other, you should never have dead air time. But, you know, he's got to type in his response, so I'm waiting for it. Um, but, Brother Josh, are you in the continental U.S.? There's a reason I asked that. Yes, sir. Oh, good. Oh, right. You're in Indiana. Excellent. Um could you text me? I'll put that number up there again. That's our church line. The reason for the text is life is hectic with three children under three. I'm just going to be honest about that. And a full-time job and ministry. Um, well, that's why. Here, here's my plan. Because actually right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to end service here now. But. If you could text me, um, I'll text you back. We'll pick a time, uh, maybe on Monday or Tuesday, you know, probably while I'm at work, but on lunch or something. 
and let's get together, have a quick five, 10 minute, you know, five, 10 minute word of prayer. By the way, I know I've been on the prepaid thing. I know how difficult that could be. So go ahead and text me. Um, tell me what your availability looks like during the week. I'll get back to you by Monday and let's see if we can pick one or two times. And if one of them worked, let's catch a word of prayer together and let's let iron sharpen iron, man. I'll pray for you. You pray for me. We'll lift each other up because we need that as men of God. None of us is meant to be an island. All right. And while we are meant to stand strong and while I admire Eliezer for standing alone, the reality is God made us. And yes, at times we'll have to stand on our own, but he didn't make us to be an island. He calls us the body of Christ. We're to be intertwined. We're to be lifting up one another, supporting one another, helping one another. All right? Cool. All right, listen, I love you all. Jesus loves you even more. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening. Those listening in the archives, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Let me bless you now. Father, in the name of Jesus and by the authority that you have given me according to Scripture, I bless these, O God, who are yours. I declare them to be the head and not the tail, meaning that they are above always. They are never beneath. I declare in accordance with your word that they are world overcomers, that they are more than conquerors, and they are blessed, Lord. Coming in, going out, and everything they do, would you prosper the works of their hands, for the sake of your glory, in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Brothers, sisters, friends, again, we love you. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Keep your eyes on our social media or our website, kqcministries.org, and we will either see you next week or the week right after. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen. Good night. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.